Talk 1110-993 WBT, hour number three. Michael Anton writing at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Why do the elections defenders require my agreement? It's a fair question. I can, like, I don't have to, this is, you know me, right? I reject the false choices. I, I, it, it gets my dander up. Uh, I bristle at it. I don't like when people come forward and give me the false dichotomy saying, these are the only two choices. You either say it was all legit, it was all above board, or you must obviously believe that everything was stolen and Trump really won and everything else. No, th- like I've, I've followed and covered the 2020 election cycle in North Carolina, the litigation that overturned the rules of voting in this state, this state. I covered it too closely to know that that was all that, that was not all above board. It wasn't. That, does that mean that it affected the outcome of the election? I don't know. And see this and maybe this is maybe this makes me different. I, I don't I, I've I've tried to put a finger on it for a long time. I don't know what it is. I'm okay with not knowing. I'll let the mystery be. Right? Let the mystery be. I, I I do want to know what the truth might be, sure. But I also know that the cycle moves on. The 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 news cycle moves on. I would like to get to the bottom of some of this stuff, but I also recognize that it's probably not going to happen. And by the way, I understand people disagree with me on that. You're free to disagree with me. I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, you know, I, I assume most people are like me. They do not hold opinions that they believe are incorrect, right? Otherwise, why do you have that opinion, right? Most people think their opinions are correct, but we have a disagreement about it. This is also, I remember, sitting in this very chair back in 08, and people were saying we need to impeach Barack Obama. And I said, that's not a path that I'm going to join you on. Not going to do it. Is the juice worth the squeeze? This is another one of the things I ask myself on a great many things. Uh, is the juice worth the squeeze? And for that one, I said no. But now that we've gone through two impeachments of Donald Trump, now you know what? Now I'm starting to come around to this idea. Maybe we just impeach every single president all the time. Just every, just as soon as you're sworn in, you hand on the Bible, hand up. You're like, I take the oath. Yes, yes, me. I'm, I'm president now. And then, bam, articles of impeachment get filed. You don't even have to, you don't have to fill it in. You just, you just have the articles out there just hanging over their head. So if you do anything wrong, boom, this thing drops, right? <laughs> and that becomes the norm. I don't know. Maybe it rains in the executive branch. I don't know. But Michael Anton at American Greatness, he is uh, he finds it odd that simply recognizing that our election system has problems, which I do, by the way, I I recognize this. And I'm old enough to remember when this was a bipartisan recognition. Jimmy Carter's Blue Ribbon Commission that looked at all of this with James uh, James Baker as his co-chair or whatever. And one of the things they recommended, this was 20 years ago, they said voter ID. Why is it that almost every, not almost, name me some election integrity measure that Democrats support? Seriously, have, have they come out in favor of any election integrity measure? There are better ways to run our elections, and there's only one party. This doesn't make me a Republican either. This doesn't make me a MAGA uh, or a semi-fascist MAGA, dark MAGA Republican either. 
I just recognize there are problems. And you know why I know that? Because I've covered elections for 20-something years. You can't do that. You can't sit there down at the Board of Elections and watch the process unfold and not come to the conclusion that, you know what, guys, I think there might be a better way to secure this thing. He says, "If it, why is it so important that I personally believe that everything was above board? That's what it seems like there are a lot of people in media and uh, uh, in the Democratic Party, but I repeat myself, right, that, that they're, they're demanding that I agree with them, that I surrender, that I acquiesce to this belief. They say there's basically one narrative Biden won, full stop, no irregularities, anyone who says otherwise is a threat to our democracy. He says the fact is the integrity of America's electoral processes have been consistently loosened throughout our lifetimes in the name of fairness, equity, civil rights, any and all measures that make it easier to know who is voting to ensure that only eligible voters vote, only when and where they're eligible to vote, and that the ineligible do not vote, They have all been and are vociferously opposed by all power centers and attacked by all arbiters of public morality. On the flip side, efforts to make voting easier, like mail-in voting, early voting, ballot harvesting, motor voter laws, giving children and felons and illegal aliens the vote. All of these are said to be requirements of justice and equity. Hence, all the latter, none of the former, are enacted or will be enacted. These efforts intensified. In 2020, they accelerated. 64% of ballots were cast before Election Day. 64%. The norm, 41%. And that was all due to the rapid expansion of mail-in voting, the single largest change to our electoral system in one cycle in U.S. history. All of it driven, aided, and embedded at the national and state levels by Democratic partisans, like Mark Elias, right? Democrat super lawyer, Suing over all Republican-drawn maps, defending all Democrat-drawn maps. Oh, also like the, the, the cutout bag man for the uh, Steele dossier. Yeah, all of that. So what we have is a voting system that is slapdash, inconsistent, porous, and easy to manipulate. In other words, cheat. Again, he says, by design. The media, the intellectuals, the experts, the universities, every opinion-shaping sector of our society both cheerlead and lie about all of it. But suppose one can wave away all of these irregularities and convince yourself that no abuse of the mail-in system took place. Many reasons to believe that the 2020 presidential election was neither clean nor fair still remain. Okay, so just set all of the mail-in voting stuff, set all that aside. Ignore all of that. Okay? When decisions are made, by the way, this is, an, an, this is an argument that I have made because of North Carolina's election in 2020. When decisions are made based on information, and information is controlled by a tiny number of people who all agree with one another, and who use their control of information flows to help one side and harm the other, in what way is that election free or fair? Right? If elections are based on an informed public, but you have one group that controls information and restricts informing you, then is that a free and fair election? There's also credible, if circumstantial evidence, that the vaccine announcement was delayed until after the election. I went over this the other day, too. Pfizer 
halted its clinical trial in mid-October in defiance of the company's own publicly available protocol, but then resumed it the day after the election. Why? There do not seem to be any medical reasons, scientific reasons, the no science and data, right? The incantation of the branch COVIDians. There have been no explanations at all. Pfizer even may have violated a couple SEC regulations and misled its own investors. Not that any serious person believes the company or its executives are ever going to pay a price for that. But Trump naturally believes that Pfizer delayed its announcement so as to harm, at at the very least, not help, his electoral prospects. Lacking any other credible explanation, can you really blame him on that? I don't. See, here's the other thing. Even though I didn't vote for Trump... I recognize when he's attacked unfairly. I can I can see, oh, wow, look at that, steel dossier, and l- let all of that play out, and holy smokes, that was all a lie. Right? Yeah, he was wronged by that. There was a concerted effort to mislead people about that, about the Trump-Russia collusion narrative, right? So is that is that an informed citizenry? Well, you know, that's just politics. Okay. But then don't expect me to sign on to your belief that this was a, quote, free and fair election, right? Because if you're saying you're you're able and willing and it's just, you know, hey, feature of the system is I get to do whatever I want and I get to use all these government agencies to get what I want to, uh, in the electoral outcome, then no, I'm not going to buy into your belief in, quote, the system. Tanya, there's just there's not enough time. I still have l- listen to all this show prep. It, just pages of it. I only got to like one, two, three, four pieces. Ugh. Man. All right, why am I wasting time with this? Okay, let me back. All right, get back to the uh, this piece, Michael Anton. You can find it at American Greatness. It's very lengthy. I'm not going to go over all of it, obviously. It's too lengthy. Uh, why do the elections defenders require my agreement? He talks about and, and just the one last point. I mentioned the COVID, mentioned the uh, uh, the electoral uh, election integrity problems, loopholes and stuff. You had the, the lawsuits and the changing of the rules and all of that stuff. But also the the information, right? The Hunter Biden laptop story. That's one example of it. The suppression of information, right? The censorship of the political discourse. That's that's a problem. He says, and it really bothers defenders that I don't believe in the 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 way the election was run, that I don't believe that it was above board. As if somehow the legitimacy of the regime itself rests on my belief or it's threatened by my disbelief. Or unbelief, right? One of the things I've said on election integrity stuff is that uh, there was never a point where everybody just got together and agreed, okay, no more vote fraud. If there was, I missed it. I wasn't aware that it occurred. And if so, I apologize. But I'm not aware of this great moment in American history where everybody said, okay, I know we have a history of all these kinds of shenanigans, but not anymore. We're all going to agree to stop doing it. (laughs) I'm, I'm unaware when that happened. Again, if it happened, let me know. But the suppression of information harms our democracy. When people don't have all the information necessary 
right? The citizenry cannot make informed decisions. We knew who Trump was, right? Everybody knew who Donald Trump was, particularly in 2020. We had been, we got a front row seat for five years. We knew who he was. Here's a tweet, a series of them, actually, uh, from Hellion, who says, I'll always be suspect of the 2020 election. Things were in motion already the May prior. Secretaries of state changing deadlines, other rules that should be done by state legislatures like North Carolina. Uh, things that would have been used in audits after uh, after were conveniently destroyed or made useless somehow. They didn't need widespread fraud, uh, fraud. They only needed targeted fraud in a few blue cities. The widespread fraud talking point went around more than gravitas and sloppy Sandy Berger. D.C. wanted the outsider gone, and post-Trump, they'll do everything in their power to never have an outsider win again. See, uh, let me just stop here, because... This is what happens when people don't have confidence in the system. When the system lacks credibility, then more people find this easier to believe than not. And so if you're trying to, you know, for the people who claim to be defenders of our democracy, right? And by the way, I think when they talk about our democracy, I think they're talking about like their democracy, but whatever. I, I, the, if they want people to have buy-in, then they will shore up the system. So these arguments go away. I'm old enough to remember when a president's obsessive consumption of a cable news station was met with ridicule and it was uh, alleged that it was a sign of derangement. Do you remember that? I know I'm dating myself here, but there, there was a time when a president was mocked and ridiculed for watching too much cable TV news. And responding to it and talking about it, I'm old enough to remember. I mean, it's been a while. And the years flow by like a broken down dam. But uh, now, apparently, not a big deal. So I guess uh, it's a new norm. There's a very interesting story at Politico. They buried the lead. So I'm going to skip down to the bottom because they're talking about how... Uh, the White House is not happy with CNN and them firing some of their most le outwardly leftist hosts, trying to redirect the station to uh, to more straight news, you know, doing outreach to Republicans, trying to get them uh, uh, to come on the programs and stuff to back on the channel. But here's the buried lead. Despite the complaints, even some White House staff acknowledged that they had erred in certain components of Biden's speech the other day, the Biden stag fire speech. Two people with knowledge of the mood inside the building said some staff were flabbergasted by the advanced team's work, which made it uh, which made it so that a close up shot of the president only included the blood red background. So what do you have here? You've got you've got a, a, a fight inside the White House over whether that speech was good or bad. Are you seeing any reporting on that? This is buried all the way down in this piece at Politico. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Our friend Stacy Matthews, a.k.a. Sister Told You, over at redstate.com. Uh, she says, talking about this, uh, this story out of Politico, about uh, the Biden-CNN rift, 
One person with knowledge of the situation, this is Politico, said White House officials were irked by the negative coverage of Joe Biden's speech last week in Philadelphia. They were mad about the way CNN didn't essentially carry the water for Biden on this. How dare he or them at CNN, how dare they, uh, uh, you know, criticize the the aesthetic, the Nazi aesthetic? (laughs) How dare they not, you know, put a spin on this that helps us? Don't they know our democracy is at stake? Stacy writes, more importantly than White House officials reluctantly admitting the speech and the way it was carried out and presented wasn't a good idea, is that a majority of Americans did not approve of the message, as was previously reported. In fact, one Democratic pollster, Mark Penn, says he believes Biden's dictatorial student debt relief power grab and the dark Brandon address likely blunted whatever supposed midterm election your uh, election year momentum he and Democrats may have won after the Dobbs decision. This takes me to a piece, the editorial by Issues and Insights. For decades, the political left has called those on the political right fascists. Democrats have been calling their political opponents fascists since at least 1948, when Truman said a Republican election win would pose a fascistic threat to America. And that it was even more dangerous than communism. Labeling Republicans as fascist is, of course, absurd. It's as absurd today as it was then. Fascists want to empower the state. They want to trap people within its confines, strip them of their individuality, and eliminate dissent. Does that describe the Republican Party? No. It's the party of individual freedom, liberty, right? They're the ones that like smaller government. The Democrats' tower of lies, the editorial says, has been constructed with the help of the media, which outside of a few exceptions are no longer objective or even pretend to be and are instead propagandists for the party they're loyal to. In just the last six years, the media have perpetrated the stolen by Russia 2016 presidential election lie, the Stacey Abrams, I'm the real governor of Georgia lie, and the lie that the incriminating information on Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. The press also lies about policies casting Democrats' ideas in the best possible light and Republican policies in the worst. Don't say gay, Bill. Right? Democrats also lied about Antifa. Well, you must be for fascism then. Right? That the right is overrun with white supremacists. They're dishonest about the environment, uh, the climate, firearms, Second Amendment, rule of law, those who enforce the law, limits of the executive branch, Remember Hillary Clinton's lies about her email server? Or how about Harry Reid's lies about Mitt Romney paying no income taxes? Or that Republicans switch sides on race? They have to accuse the other side of doing what they are doing, of being the extremists that they themselves are. They cannot openly admit who they are, nor the truth about their agenda. Why? Most Americans would not be comfortable voting for candidates whose objective is to establish a single-party regime across the country and whose ideology is much closer to that of history's worst despots than the Founding Fathers' vision of freedom and independence. One of the things they lie about? Violence. Particularly violence in Democrat cities. Right? Memphis. Police in Memphis, Tennessee, said a man drove around the city shooting at people, killing four during an hours-long rampage that forced people to shelter in place. This went on for like 19 to 20 hours. Ezekiel Kelly, 19 years old, 
was charged as an adult. Wait, ha- wait a minute. Oh, this was previous. That's right. Charged as an adult with attempted first degree murder in 2020. He was taken into custody at around 9 p.m. Wait, taken into custody. That's not possible. That's impossible. He's a black guy. I've been assured that police shoot and kill all black people in in all these interactions. When Dylan Roof was arrested, right, there was all this talk about how he's a white guy, so he got arrested. Right? These narratives that get advanced in order to promote the idea that, you know, America is torn apart by racial grievance and strife. This guy was taken into custody. By the way, as far as I know, his rap sheet. Yeah, here it is. At 17 years old, he was charged as an adult in 2020 with attempted first degree murder, aggravated assault, using a firearm to commit a dangerous felony and reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon. Um, records show he pleaded guilty to aggravated assault. He got sentenced in April of 2021 to three years. April 2021 plus three would be 22, 23, 24. And he was out for some reason. 11 months after he was sentenced, he was still out on the streets. Would it surprise you that the DA there is a Soros-backed DA? It doesn't surprise me. No, but see, there's another lie. That if you even mention that there is this campaign to put district attorneys in office in order to let people out and to take a soft on crime approach that's backed by George Soros. If you even mention that, that makes you an anti-Semite. Another one of the lies. All right, let me go over here to Stan. Hey, Stan, what's going on? Oh, hey, Pete, how are hey, you? I'm good. What's up? Well, hey, first of all, you were talking about having faith in the system and we're talking about the election. What if... You could fix it so that the other side started out in as much as a 12-hole deficit beforehand. And that could possibly have happened in the last census. The stories that you can find about it, you can't find it on like Google unless you do a lot of hard searching for it. As many as, many as 12 and as few as 5 elect, uh, uh, representatives or, or seats could have been lost by red states and, trimmed and kept in blue states due to improper census counting. The one report that I saw said Texas may have may have undercounted Texas by much as 500,000 people. Texas should have one or two more representatives, and that way that many more electoral votes, and those will now go to New York and California. So imagine that you're starting out in a 12-hole deficit before all the fraudulent mail-in ballots yeah. even start to be counted. No, that's a, uh, that's a good point, too. The sen- although I don't know if the census was at play. The census count wasn't at play for 2020, was it not? Because they weren't yeah, done counting in 2020. Right, right. Yeah, they'll be counting in 2020, but you're going to use that and you're going to use those numbers until yeah. they have the next census. And so, in, in actuality, they the should. Census Bureau, census Bureau has its own struck in page working in that as well. No, I got you. Um, and I, I, I haven't seen it, Stan. I appreciate the call. I, I, I haven't seen that information. I do know, like California and New York, right? They both lost seats. North Carolina got one. So, I guess the argument is that they should have lost even more seats. Uh, thanks for the call, Stan. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, a reminder, Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, all this month, September, and we are doing our third annual Little Heroes Blood Drives. Every week, WBT hosts a blood drive with the One Blood Big Red Bus at the Jack Daniels Doghouse at the corner of Mint and Moorhead. Thank you also to Affordable Siding and Windows, Jamison Realty, for supporting the effort. Go to WBT.com. 
and reserve your appointment time now. Our next one is on the 12th, which I believe is uh, Tuesday or Monday. 12th? Wait, wait. Monday? You would think with a last name like Calendar, I would know. <laughs> it is the 12th, September 12th. Uh, that's Monday. A um, couple of emails. Gary says, uh, regarding media and bubbles, I think a lot of the media and the dispatch type of conservatives, the dispatch.com, uh, they have a different view than a lot of their audience because they are in major urban areas. If you live and spend your time in D.C. and New York City, you will have a very different view than somebody outside of those areas. I noticed this big time with Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro moving. Both have put yeah, Rogan to Texas, Shapiro to Tennessee, right? Or, Flor- or he moved to Florida, but uh, I think the Daily Wire is now headquartered in Tennessee. Both have publicly stated how much different they view where they live and that it is a different reality. Um, and uh, to that point, uh, on covering news, uh, my old uh, colleague up in Asheville, Mark, says, covering news will get you killed these days, Pete. Look at what happened out in Vegas. The reporter was stabbed to death by a former Democratic candidate, uh, allegedly. That's right. Out, Yeah. Uh, Clark County Public Administrator Robert Tellis was arrested on suspicion of murder Wednesday evening in the fatal stabbing of a Las Vegas Review-Journal reporter, Jeff German, whose investigation of the politician contributed to his primary election loss in June. By the way, you got to go to paragraph 18 to find out a uh, Democrat. He was a Democrat. And so, of course, we know the reason behind this is Donald Trump, right? Curse you, Trump, for doing this. The... <laughs> The stunning development came a day after Las Vegas police asked for the public's help uh, help in identifying a suspect in the case. An early morning search of his home yesterday provided the first indication that the Friday killing might be related to the reporter's work exposing public wrongdoing. The investigative reporter was pursuing a potential follow-up story about Tellus in the weeks before he was killed. The breakthrough in the case came after police released an image of a vehicle tied to the homicide suspect, a red or maroon GMC Yukon Denali. Now, there was a suspect description. You're going to know later on in the piece here. Uh, this is from the uh, Las Vegas Review-Journal, um, where the reporter worked, by the way. Um, you go to the uh, description. Wide straw hat, gloves, and a bright orange long sleeve shirt. So is he what is he trying to dress like either like a yard keeper or something like a like a groundskeeper or just like the worst disguise ever? I'm going to wear a huge straw hat and a bright orange long sleeve shirt and drive my personal car. So they caught the car on video and when they released the uh, the image of the vehicle during a news conference a couple hours later reporters are at the house of this guy, of the Clark County Public Administrator, Robert Tellis, and they see the car in the driveway. And he's apparently, yeah, he's like standing next to the vehicle matching the description. Detectives then interview him while a search is conducted of his home. And his home is less than six miles from where the the journalist's body was found. Um, Then when he gets home after being questioned by the police, This guy comes home 
And he's wearing, have you seen this yet? Have you seen the video of him being confronted by the reporters? Why did you do this? Why did you do, like, first off, the guy's already killed one reporter, allegedly. He's already killed one reporter, and you're running up there sticking a mic in his face, and he's dressed like Dexter. You Just, hey, be careful, right? He's wearing, like, this white hazmat suit, which is what all non-murderers wear, obviously. What is up with that? Later, then, police arrive in tactical gear and surrounded the home while he remained inside. Later on, he's carted off on a stretcher. And I saw one report that he had some sort of self-inflicted, non-threatening knife wounds. Which, when, uh, w- when being investigated for the stabbing death of a reporter, probably not a good idea to, you know, use a, use a knife to cut yourself up. During the standoff or whatever. 45-year-old Democrat lost his re-election bid in the primary after a lot of the reports were published by this reporter named German. So um, I'm just trying to uh, imagine what the response would be if it was a Democrat or sorry, not a Democrat murderer, but a Republican murderer. Could you imagine? Winterbull's up next. See you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.